Hello, my name is Isaac Keith Martinez, and welcome to Isaac's Haunted Beard. Today we're going to talk about the film Ghosts of Mars from the year 2001. This is John Carpenter's second to the last feature film that he's made. Now, as of this recording, John is still alive. Uh, this episode was published in the year 2021, so that would make John 73 years old as of this recording. And the last film he made was called The Ward, and that came out in 2010. So, wow, 2010, that's quite a while ago. It kind of feels as though John is finished. But I hope I'm wrong, because I really love John Carpenter's films, and I'd love to see one more. <laughs> I really, really would. And I have a feeling like a bunch of you would as well. Um, now, as far as this movie is concerned, uh, I've noticed that Ghosts of Mars has its small share of fans, but it's it's mostly unappreciated, which is really weird to me because um, John Carpenter is beloved. <laughs> uh, I've noticed, especially on film Twitter, that John Carpenter feels like one of the most beloved filmmakers uh, just across all genres. Everyone seems to agree that John Carpenter is awesome. And, I mean, does that mean that everything that a person who you consider awesome has made should be just immediately considered awesome. No, you should be, you should be honest, but, um, it's still surprising to me one, because he's so popular and so beloved, I, I would think that more people would just, you know, maybe even just convince themselves to like the movie, but, but, but mostly because of the second reason. And that is that I do think it's a good movie and I think it deserves to have a larger fan base. I'm a fan and that's why I'm doing this episode today. So let's talk about the plot to go some Mars. I'm not going to treat it as though, as though you've definitely seen it. I think a bunch of you have seen it because it's a John Carpenter film and a lot of people just watch everything he's made. But, um, maybe you're someone who is new to John's body of work and you're just discovering it now. So you're going to get to it. So, um, I'm not going to spoil it for you. I'm going to give you the plot, but I'm not going to ruin, um, not that there's much to ruin. It's not one of those kinds of stories where there's like all these reveals, but, uh, let's talk about the plot minus spoilers, shall we? I mean, I am going to <laughs> spoil some stuff, but, uh, nothing that'll hurt your enjoyment of this movie. If you're going to watch it for the first time soon. Now this film takes place in the year 2176. I just want to point out of all the movies that John Carpenter has made that take place in the future, this one takes place the furthest in the future because a lot of the times he makes movies that take place in the near future. <laughs> so near, in fact, that if you look back at those movies, uh, the years that those movies have taken place in have already happened. We've lived through them. But we are not going to live to see the year 2176. So we're safe there. This, we're not going to go back and go, gee, I wonder how many things he got right. <laughs> so 
This film takes place in the year 2176 on Mars. And Mars has been 84% terraformed, allowing humans to be able to walk on Mars and kind of breathe on Mars. They do mention in the movie that it's about 10 years away from being completely breathable. And a group of police officers... Now, in this movie, they have law enforcement that uh, pretty much they, they enforce Earth law. So if it's, if it's a law on Earth, it's a law on Mars. So they have a group of police officers who are on their way to transport a prisoner at a, at a jail in, uh, in a little minor town on, on Mars. And uh, his name is James Williams, but he's known as Desolation Williams. But when they arrive on Mars, although Desolation Williams and other prisoners are in their jail cells, the rest of the mining town that this jail is located at are missing. Where did all the people go? The police soon find out when they uh, come across the missing people who now look and behave very differently, uh, that they, they looked possessed like ghouls. They're now violent killers. As it turns out, these miners are possessed by the ghosts of Mars. The police now must survive attacks from this terrifying threat and still successfully transport the very dangerous Desolation Williams. But in order to do so, the police will have to join forces with Desolation Williams and the other prisoners to survive the ghosts of Mars. Can they trust the criminals? Do they have a choice? And can they survive this ordeal and still successfully bring in Desolation Williams? You got to check it out, find out for yourself. I do, as I said, I do like this film. I think it's 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 good, and, and honestly, I don't know why people don't like this film. A lot of the times when a movie is uh, unpopular, unliked, people voice their reasons on Twitter and 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 however else through conversations or YouTube videos or podcasts or whatever. I don't know. I really don't know what their specific gripe is with this movie. If I were to guess, I'm guessing that um, some people might have an issue with the feeling that John Carpenter is um, repeating himself with some of the concepts that he he does in this movie, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, more, I first want to just address me, like my feelings about the movie, and, and, and as you know, I like it. Um, I like the concept of the film. Um, I like the ghosts of Mars. Um, these are um, ghosts, and the, the movie's called Ghosts of Mars. So wh whether or not they're actually literally ghosts, um, I think that's just more like a figure of speech. I don't think they're actually ghosts, <laughs> but we're going to call them that, okay? Uh, I like the idea of the ghosts who can inhabit the body of someone and and make them you know 
something they're not <laughs> make them a violent monster and that's not a new idea it's it's very similar to any number of movies that i like to refer to as host uh horror films where uh an invading spirit can enter the body of a host and take over that body and in, in some ways that's also similar to possession films which i'm also a fan of so for me it's not so much like have i seen it before of course i've seen it before in fact for that very reason i am drawn to these kinds of movies and if i find out that there's a movie out there that's like it that i haven't seen i seek it out i enjoy this kind of movie this is the kind of movie that um has found its way into especially horror films and science fiction movies and of course the lovely marriage between horror and sci-fi which this film is I also like the large crew of characters uh, and a little bit I'll, I'll go into who's in the movie maybe you already know but it's a large cast of characters it's an ensemble cast and you know <laughs> I like the idea of a large like posse you know entering into a town to to do some type of justice and they discover that they're soon uh they soon discover they're in over their head and you have to wonder if they can make it out alive who will survive who won't and um normally if anyone would be in the same situation they wouldn't survive so you have to introduce a group of you know badasses a group of people that you trust can um if not survive the situation at least you know get pretty far into the movie <laughs> before they get killed uh, i like the look of the villains um i'll go into that a little bit later but i just wanted to touch upon that right now because i'm just going over the, the reasons why i like this movie uh, i like the location i like that it takes place on mars <laughs> and not only that i like the idea of like like within mars it's like this small mining community so it's not mars the way you know mars from say total recall um it's smaller it's almost like a western it's almost like a western in space it's a really small little uh, town that you can just walk through the entire town um it, 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 the whole movie it'd be also because it's in space it's dark so it's also this like this feel of a movie where the whole film takes place at night you know visually at least uh, I like the action they don't skimp on the action um it's not non-stop action I mean there's definitely a lot of breaks that they take to tell the story and the story is told periodically throughout the film they don't just reveal everything in the beginning they don't just explain why everything's happening and how it started they they feed you pieces of information here and there throughout the film as they meet more characters who have more story that they can more light they can shed <laughs> on the topic you learn more about what's going on and then when they're you know when when they do have to you know defend themselves against these ghosts of mars and when they do have these like action sequences uh the action is very well done which leads to violence uh, this is a horror film and it's a horror film done by John Carpenter who is called the master of horror right he's one of the most famous most popular horror film directors of all time the violence is good it is graphic violence so this is an R-rated movie 
this may not be a movie that you'd want to show your kids, even though I think that your kids would love it. <laughs> so, uh, and I like the feel of the movie. Uh, to me, it feels like a John Carpenter mixtape in that, you know, what a mixtape is. It's a, it's a tape that has a bunch of different songs by a bunch of different artists and collectively it kind of creates an overall feel right that's what this movie kind of feels like it seems to have elements of not only different kinds of movies but different john carpenter movies um i'll name drop some movies but i'm not going to tell you what about these movies um remind me of ghost of mars so uh, i'll leave that up to you and also there's just not enough time in this podcast to go into it but it mostly feels like assault on precinct 13 um, but it also feels like it has elements from Escape from New York and Escape from L.A. It also feels like it has a little bit of Prince of Darkness in it. Uh, even John Carpenter's Vampires, so just the vibe of that film kind of like feels like it's this movie. And it especially, of course, feels like The Thing, mostly because of the whole like host element, you know? And who can you trust and who can't you trust? Even though with The Thing, that was more of... A mystery in that movie like you didn't know who had the invading spirit or uh, you know what I mean not spirit but you know what I mean um with uh with ghosts of mars uh you you definitely know who's who's possessed and who's not now as I said earlier some people don't like this movie and I was just assuming or theorizing that some people may not like this idea that when they watch it it feels like John Carpenter is in their opinion, repeating themselves, but I don't, I just, in my opinion, that's not a bad thing. Um, it's like John made a mixtape film of his own hits. And if anyone should be allowed to do that, it's John. And as a fan of John Carpenter's body of work, it almost kind of feels like a reward. You know, you, you watch all these movies, especially if you watch this movie after having seen all those films, once you get to this film, it feels like, um, yeah, <laughs> kind of like if you listen to all of the albums of, of a particular band, and then after the final album, you listen to their greatest hits record, and it's like this like trip down memory lane. Like, oh, I remember this song, I remember this song. Like, it's not a bad thing, it's a good thing. And it's done within the context of a new story, even though it's a very familiar feeling story and it's a good time and i think that the only way this would fail is if it was ultimately if it was a bad movie and i don't think it's a bad movie i think it's a very very fun movie now i feel like in my opinion there's two kinds of john carpenter movies because i feel like most of his movies if not all of his movies are good but there's definitely like levels of good like there's his masterpieces there's his movies that when you watch them from the very first time you see them, you recognize, wow, this is a really, really good movie. And I think a lot of people would agree that some of the titles that qualify as John Carpenter's masterpieces would include Halloween and The Thing and Escape from New York and, you know, Big Trouble in Little China. Um, you know, and then you may have your, I mean, they live, you know, uh, you may have uh, your own personal favorites. But, you know, as far as like the general consensus is concerned, those are among the titles that get brought up a lot as some of his more popular films. And from the very first time you see them, you, you recognize, wow, this is a really good movie. And then his other movies, which are also good, 
just not as good. However, because because he made them, even if you consider them to be not as good, you still revisit them later. And you, for whatever reason, you do that. I, I, I do it. I, I revisit a film made by John Carpenter. And, um, and I find that um, I do that because I want to see if maybe if there was something that I missed. Um, maybe uh, best case scenario, the films grow on me and I like them more. Uh, the more I see them. And, and a perfect example would be The Fog, which, you know, I didn't mention it earlier as one of his masterpieces, and I think most people would, but I have, I will admit, as I've done in a previous podcast episode, that the first time I saw The Fog, I didn't like it that much. But, like a lot of John's works, it grew on me. And it did that through repeat viewings, and there was something in me that clicked that made me recognize it as a great film. So, um... I don't know who out there likes John, but like watch this movie and then gave up on it immediately. But I, I do think that if you have it in you to revisit it, I, I think that whatever issues you may have with it, you have the potential to get over them and something may click in you and you could grow to really like this movie. So I, I do think like a lot of John's work, it gets better with repeat viewings. So speaking of uh, mixtapes, <laughs> you know, that's a music term. So let's briefly mention the music, which is, like a lot of his films, done by John Carpenter. And um, it's good. <laughs> it's not as iconic as, as his other scores, but it's still good. But you know what? There's parts of the score that John didn't do. And that's whenever there's an intense action sequence that happens, it becomes like a heavy metal score. And um, John doesn't play the metal parts. The metal parts are very well done, and they're done by two different metal acts that are pretty famous. One is the band Anthrax, and the other is the guitar player who is known as Buckethead. So either you know these people or you don't. If you don't, either you care or you don't. If you if you don't care, then it doesn't matter. I'm not going to teach you who they are, convince you that they're famous or talented. Uh, maybe you might want to look into their work. I think they're great. And I think they do a good job in this movie. Now, as I mentioned before, this is not John Carpenter's last film. His last film is The Ward. And um, I think The Ward is good is a good film, but I don't think it's a great film. And I don't feel like The Ward feels like a John Carpenter film. Like, whenever you watch a John Carpenter film, they all have a feeling that I'm not going to try and describe in words. I think you'd agree with me that they all have a feeling that while you're watching his movies, you can tell, you recognize, ooh, this is a John Carpenter film. It feels like a John Carpenter film. The Ward does not feel like a John Carpenter film. But to me, Ghost of Mars does. Ghost of Mars does feel like a John Carpenter film. And I have a theory. I can never prove it because The Ward exists. I have a theory that if The Ward didn't exist, and this was, in fact, John Carpenter's last film, people would have embraced it by now, but somehow feel like it's less important to uh, reevaluate because it's not his last film. People put a lot of pressure on final films, and for some reason, uh, this film has not been overly reevaluated because I still see that it has kind of a lingering negative reputation. And The Ward, because it's his last film, you'd think it would be reevaluated by now. It hasn't. 
as far as I've seen. People aren't like trying to, um, you know, convince anyone, no, the ward is this unsung masterpiece. I think it's simply because the ward's just kind of a meh. <laughs> you know, it's like it's good ish, but it's 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 certainly not great. I don't think it even has the potential of being great. And I think a lot of that has to do with one, it's just not a great film, and B, it doesn't feel like a John Carpenter film. So especially because of that, I hope John makes at least one more movie that feels like a John Carpenter film. Fingers crossed it's to complete his Snake Plissken trilogy. All right. Speaking earlier of the mixtape concept, which suggests a collage approach, this film has a mixtape cast. In the two leads, we have Ice Cube and Natasha Henstridge. And, um, you know, Ice Cube playing Desolation Williams, Natasha playing a cop. So this is a really classic pairing of like a criminal and a law enforcement officer having to join forces, you know, like your, your, your typical, you know, at least on paper, good guy and bad guy who have to join forces against a, a larger evil. And is Ice Cube really a bad guy? You have to learn. Learn that for yourself when you watch the movie. Also in this film is Jason Statham, Pam Greer, Clea Duvall, Joanna Cassidy, Robert Carradine, and Peter Jason. Um, you know, with Jason Statham and Pam Greer in particular, you have two actors, actresses that are leading men, leading lady types. You know, Jason Statham has been the lead in many movies, as has Pam Greer, especially in the 70s. And then, you know, I'm not going to go through the filmography, filmographies of all the other people I just mentioned. Of the ones that I mentioned, I, I can tell that maybe... Robert Carradine and Peter Drayson might be two names you may not know, but if you know John Carpenter's work, at least you'd be able to recognize those faces and go, oh yeah, I've seen them in um, other movies that uh, John Carpenter has made. But Ice Cube is the real heart of this movie. I think I think his performance is really intense. I like Ice Cube as an actor. I mean, I also like him as a rapper, but I mean, I like him as an actor. Um, he just, he does a he does a thing that he does that I, I I've seen him do in other movies, especially Boys in the Hood, where he gets very quiet when his character is being serious and sincere, and um, he can get um, kind of loud and scary when he needs to be, when he you know is in scenes where he needs to be threatening or scenes where he needs to um, intimidate you know, he and he's good, he he's great at it. Um, uh, there's a couple things I want to point out. Uh, one is, um, and this is just a visual thing that I really like. There's a scene where he shoots two machine guns at the same time, and I just love that. Because <laughs> I'm used to, I've seen movies before where people shoot two guns at the same time, but it's usually handguns. So to see Ice Cube like shooting uh, two machine guns at the same time is, is, is pretty cool. And in the, in the final scene in the movie, and it's not I'm going to give away the ending of the movie, but um, in the final scene, there's a moment where uh, Ice Cube looks directly into the camera, you know, like breaking the fourth wall. And uh, he does it a lot in the movie Friday, or at least in the entire, probably in the entire Friday trilogy, which I also really like. Um, and for the record, <laughs> I heard Ice Cube does not like this film. So that's kind of sad. You know, you could like a movie and then somebody who helped make that movie so good doesn't even like it. So I don't know why. He just doesn't like it. <laughs> 
Uh, I just want to briefly mention that Pam Greer, who I'm also a big fan of, is in this movie. And I think it's kind of neat to have a, a black exploitation icon in this movie. This is uh, not the only film that Pam Greer has ever been in in outer space. She was also in The Adventures of Pluto Nash <laughs> with uh, starring Eddie Murphy. Which, believe it or not, also another movie that has a really lousy reputation. I actually like that movie. <laughs> uh, it's funny to have Jason Statham in this movie and not have him be the heroic lead. Because he's that's usually his his thing, right? He's an action star. However, he does kiss Na- Natasha Henstrich in this film. And, here's a little trivia for you, this is his first on-screen kiss in his career. Speaking of Natasha Henstrich, did you know that Natasha Henstrich was not the first choice for her part in this movie? She replaced, you wouldn't believe it, Courtney Love. <laughs> Courtney Love had to leave the film when uh, before it even began filming because she got injured. Her boyfriend's ex-wife ran over her foot with her car. <laughs> Who's to say what it would have been like if... Courtney Love had gotten a lead. Uh, I don't want to just immediately assume it wouldn't have been any good. Uh, I don't know. But uh, I do think that Natasha Henstrich um, is a better actress than, than Courtney Love. Now, a movie like this is only as good as its bad guys, right? The villains in this film have a great look. Now, I told you earlier I was going to mention their look again. Let's do that now. They kind of look like tribal-possessed punk rock cavemen and you'll either know what i'm talking about if you've seen it or you'll know what i'm talking about when you see it or you can just google it (laughs) now they can't speak they kind of grunt they have sharpened teeth because they sharpen their own teeth so it kind of like they have like um fangs and um uh they're self-mutilated so they have all these like weird piercings the they don't have names, but supposedly the leader of the group, the, you know, the, like the main guy who gets the most screen time among uh, that tribe that everyone kind of like, you know, follows his lead, is known as Big Daddy Mars. <laughs> I don't know why or how. They don't call him that. But if you type in Big Daddy Mars on Google, you'll see his picture. He'd make a cool action figure. I, I love his look. Now, the attacks from these killers are vicious. Uh, there's a combination of CGI effects and practical effects in this movie, both of which are done very well. The effects are done by KNB. You guys know KNB? Uh, I'm sure you do. If you know your horror films, they are very famous special effects uh, gurus. Quick story. Um, I listened to the audio commentary of this, and this was done back in 2001. And John Carpenter does the audio commentary with Natasha Henstrich. And as it turns out, at the time at least, Natasha wasn't familiar with how audio commentary works. She asks, can they actually watch this at the same time as they're listening to us? And I I got a kick out of that, so I wanted to share that story with you. So finally, before we wrap this up, I just want to mention that John Carpenter has said in an interview that he was very frustrated that so many people thought this film was meant to be taken seriously. It was always meant to be a silly, over-the-top, mindless action horror sci-fi film. And that's how I take it. And I hope if you either revisit this movie or watch it for the first time, you go into it thinking the same thing. It's just a fun time that's not meant to be taken seriously. 
there you go. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> I hope we can turn some more fans on to John Carpenter's unsung, uh, I don't want to say masterpiece, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, you know, fun science fiction horror, uh, almost Western <laughs> ghosts of Mars. Thank you for spending time with me. Uh, you know, I love talking movies with you. Uh, until the next time we do this, take care of yourself, take care of each other. And, uh, yeah, let's do this again real soon. Aloha. <laughs>